It is season six, episode nine, and I almost said season seven. I almost uh, <laughs> incremented the wrong thing. We're not renewed for season seven yet, it Brian. Is, it is season six, episode nine of the Whales and Whales podcast. I am Brian, your host, and joining me is your co-host and favorite frenemy, Cameron. Hello, Cameron. Hi, Brian. Uh, we just literally started started this conversation and started recording, so I want to ask, uh, how are you? How was your day? I am doing pretty well. Just got home from having dinner over at my parents' house and um, drove home and listened to some delightful, relaxing music on the way back and chatted with Stephen and am now here recording a podcast with my friend me, Cameron. So I think I'm doing pretty well. What kind of music? Um, do you know David Arkenstone? Sounds like a World of Warcraft character. Amazingly, he was a composer for World of Warcraft. Then yes, I do <laughs> apparently know him. Uh, yes, he. Um, I know he has the coolest name ever. Um, we actually Stone. interviewed him once back on. Uh, I forget which show it was. I think it was. Train yeah, you have Station like six or seven. Right, audio, we, you know, we just always make now. new ones. Um, yeah. But no, we interviewed him. A wonderful guy, and he not only composes for World of Warcraft, but he does a bunch of his own like instrumental compositions. He loves like kind of bases paces a lot of his music off of like nature and stuff so he does a lot of good ambient um music and so he oh, had cool. just released an album about fall and he recorded it with a string quartet and it was just some very very relaxing music to listen to late at night on the way home so very cool good. very yep. cool yep how i already know the answer to this but how are you cameron i i'm very tired but you know what for once uh, you know i've been listening to a little a little snippets of our old episodes recently i'm not sure yeah. why i just decided to go Steven back was too weirdly enough yeah i think it's just because we're funny and i'm enjoying yeah. listening to ourselves um but yeah what i've noticed is that basically every episode i go i'm tired um yeah. when you ask me how i am so yeah. for once let's just skip over that yeah um, because we can assume that it is the truth already your voice to me is still peaking is it peaking on your file not even a little bit no okay it no, turn me down in discord um yeah maybe there's something weird in discord maybe yeah i'm not i'm i'm totally a fine waveform here yeah i had you a little bit up so i'll put it down um hopefully i'll remember or you'll remember to take that out whoever's editing anyway um all right so we're just going to skip over the fact you're tired but i was i was going to draw attention to that for a second because i feel you have been more tired this last week than possibly ever since I've known you, which is definitely yeah. saying something. And you can correct me if that's wrong. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that if this past week wasn't the worst week I've ever had with sleep, it was at least tied with it. Yeah. Um, it's just been a very, everything kind of hit at once. I, I kind right. of can tell when I'm going to be having sleep issues. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I don't really particularly know what causes it, but some one, one once in a while, I will just suddenly mm -hmm. be up at six in the morning and like, well, there it is. Everything's broken. Cause I mean, even Wait, though my sleep is be up at six, you mean like you stayed up still all night up. up until six. Yeah. 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 Um, because I mean, right. I typically go to bed between anywhere between midnight and 3am. I would say. I would say if I go to bed at 3 a.m., that's a good night. Like, mm -hmm. that's fine. I can deal with that. Um, mm -hmm. But the second it starts to get to 4, I'm like, oh, I should really try to go to sleep. But, like, yeah. if it hits 5 and, and then I know something's really wrong. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I was up, like, last weekend I was up at 7 in the morning. Uh, and school was starting on the Monday mm -hmm. that this happened. And I was like, oh, no. Right. Um, and so work was actually like ridiculously insane. Um, and yeah. then you mix on top of that, not sleeping. And it's just been Man. miserable. Yeah. I'm not sure I have 
ever stayed up until 6 or 7 a.m. by accident. Or like, it would have purposely been saying I am pulling an all-nighter for one reason or another. Um, um, but I'm not sure I've ever just found myself awake at 6 a.m. Even like playing a game or something, looking up and being like, oh my gosh, it's it's 6 a.m. Uh-huh. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe like 5, 4 or 5 is probably the latest I ever did. Um, but on nights like that, are those nights where you like tried to go to sleep and then were tossing and turning and got back up or just never even went to sleep? Yeah, the, 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 the general gist of how it's been going this particular time is that I've, I've been convincing myself to lay down and go to sleep at like one or two in the morning Mm -hmm. and I fall asleep and then I wake up in about two hours. Um, wow. Okay. And that's happened like three or four times at this point. And the, Mm -hmm. the thing is like, it's kind of a, a weird, like mental block as well because my i'm gonna see if i can't explain this properly although it's a little confusing even in my mind i am awake at let's say it's seven in the morning and i'm awake and i my brain goes you're tired go to sleep and then my brain goes no you're not actually tired stay awake um Mm -hmm. and i make myself feel guilty because i feel like i'm staying up like i'm staying up forcing myself to stay awake okay um when in reality i don't think that's the case i think i'm literally just not tired enough to sleep but my brain mm-hmm. tricks my I, I trick myself into thinking that i should be able to like if, if you cameron if you lay down right now you'd fall asleep my brain would say and then i would go no i would not and so i, I ignore that and i stay up but i think uh-huh. i'm right not my brain i think if i tried right. to lay down and go to sleep i wouldn't so that's it's almost like a waste of time to lay down and try to right. sleep when i know i can't but yes. it's a weird guilty feeling that i get it's like it's seven in the morning and i should be laying i should i should be trying to sleep right and it's like well no right i'm literally not gonna fall asleep if i lay down why would i waste yes. my time trying to sleep like i would just right. lay there for three four hours get uncomfortable in my bed and then maybe doze off eventually you know so right. it's a weird mental issue as well in that sense right right and sometimes sometimes the worst thing is when you know you can't sleep but laying in bed trying to make yourself sleep anyway um so yeah that i know that feeling and that feeling can be extremely uncomfortable especially if you're like but i need this every hour that's ticking by is another hour i won't have slept yeah and i'll feel that much worse tomorrow i should see or i'll sleep sleep. that much later tomorrow yeah 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 because normally like i've definitely had problems before i I know that feeling of like well it is bedtime i should go to bed but i know if i go to bed i'm not actually going to fall asleep so youtube um yep (laughs) but uh i don't think i've normally had the i i am very much a sleeper that once i fall asleep if i wake up in the middle of the night it will be for like 10 seconds until i fall asleep. oh yeah i like, know i just i almost never wake up in the middle of the night and then i'm like well i'm up now and see like, that's that's the that's what's yeah. so frustrating about my sleep is that it's inconsistent right. it, it doesn't have any rules because I'll, like last night i'll wake i'll wake up and i'll i'll open my eyes and i'll be like i bet you it's only been two hours i'm looking at my phone and yep it's been two hours and i will cl- i will close my eyes and for about five minutes i will be like yeah. yeah i'll fall back asleep this will be fine and then after that five minutes passes i'll be like nope not gonna happen not gonna fall back asleep but the next day my alarm will go off at 4 p.m or whatever i slept until right. and i could continue to sleep forever i could just close my eyes and immediately back be back to sleep and i don't know yes. what the difference is like Yes. Why does it ma- why does why does it matter to my brain when I wake up? Why can't I fall back asleep when I actually need to versus when right. I don't when I need to actually get up? You know, it's one of those times when like you know, 
you'll hear the adage like we still don't really know what sleep is for (laughs) there's so much we don't know about sleep and it's like what an interesting factoid and this is one of those times where that's really annoying because it's like can we please know more about sleep Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it is not working and it's making me miserable i mean yeah my doctor who i mean is as a just a general practitioner i mean that's still a a doctor but he's not like he's not like a specialist and he he straight up told me he's like i don't know what to do about your sleep man i'm really sorry um i've tried all that i can think of and i was Mm -hmm. like cool yeah (laughs) um it's it's one of those functions kind of like that we just kind of assume should work (laughs) right and when it doesn't you're just kind of like specific cause because like the most common cause i hear in terms of like waking up in the middle of the night and being unable to sleep is like sleep apnea um right and i've been tested for that you have been tested I, I took home one of those wrist machines that I wore yes. overnight and my <laughs> my doctor saw it and he was like, well, your sleep is terrible, but it's not because of sleep apnea. <laughs> <laughs> Have you used one of those sleep apps that like traps, tracks your uh, sleep? Uh, yeah, they uh, all say patterns. your sleep sucks. What are you doing? <laughs> like I remember <laughs> I, I, I realized this after the fact, yeah. um, but I actually went to a sleep doctor in Kentucky right Mm. before we were going to move so i didn't get a chance to actually do any sleep studies but she said please do a schedule of when you sleep and how you and how you feel after you sleep and during how was your sleep and keep a sleep journal as close as you possibly can it's like okay cool so Mm. i did it for like two weeks and i gave it to her and she i gave it to her over email and she emailed me back she's like i don't really understand how to read your i don't really understand how to read your 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 graph here because i drew a graph (laughs) of when i slept and i was like what don't you understand and she's like well i'm not really sure what all this red is and i was like that's when i didn't sleep and she goes but I don't understand. You didn't sleep for 24 hours here. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, I have to rethink this whole entire thing. Cause she just didn't even the she sleep doctor grasp. Is, is like, this isn't in my um, purview. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. and that was 10 years ago at this point. So right. that's cool. Um, yeah. It does remind me a lot of like the digestion stuff that Steven went through and it, it's so difficult because like then you get into symptoms and causes and like even if a doctor could say yeah for real your sleep is awful what's the cause of that is a whole right. different question like even if you can get the symptomology down that's no guarantee that you necessarily know what is causing it because like i feel like sleep is one of those things that you can look up and everything could be causing it it's like mm-hmm. you're stressed it's your diet it's your lifestyle it's you're drinking too much you're not drinking enough you're mm-hmm. like it's everything under the sun could be contributing to it which it it just sounds like something that'd be very hard to nail down as like this is exactly what it is. Yeah. Unless it's like sleep apnea. Some yeah. physical thing is stopping you from sleeping. And I and I worry that when I if I go to a new doctor, because uh, I probably will have to if I really want to get this looked at, it's gonna be yeah. an issue of like, so what what are the under what 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 do you like t- tell me what else is wrong besides sleep and I'm gonna go, well, I'm depressed, I have anxiety, yeah. uh, my diet sucks, I don't exercise, and he, yeah. and they're going to go, well, fix all those, and I'm going to go, I can't do anything. <laughs> uh, it's so much work, because I, 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 I have a feeling that the majority of the issue is all of those, all of those things I just listed. I bet you most right. of it stems from the depression, um, mm-hmm. and then I bet you some of it stems from anxiety, and I bet you a little bit stems from exercise, and, and, right. and I think, honestly, some of it stems from the fact that my work is not is not very strict in terms of what i have to be doing yep like if i if i had to get up at 8 a.m every single morning you know i bet you my sleep schedule is completely different when i have morning visits that i'm having to do at 7 a.m every day 
Yeah. And I will drift to 8 or 9 a.m. on my own. Like, again, that's nothing compared to your sleep thing. But yeah, like oh, having yeah. that that schedule and structure is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've honestly at some points, I mean, I don't think it's worth leaving my job over because I... Mm-hmm. I, um, it probably isn't the biggest factor, but I definitely felt better when I was working at jobs that had a strict regimen in terms of when I had to work, but not, not a lot better, but like noticeably better. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, right. But it's all, all the other little things add in there and, and they all interrelate with each other. Cause you can be like, well, it's my depression causing it, but then it's like, well, what's causing the depression? And it's like, well, that's a whole bunch of factors. Well, that's too, just so. the brain is broken. <laughs> right. Right. But it's, it's, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, but like you said, it's very hard to then want to fix all of that when you have no sleep. <laughs> so it becomes I, yeah. a, a self-defeating cycle, but, um, at least going to the doctor would would be a place to start. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna really try to call a doctor at some point. Yep. Um, maybe yep. even tomorrow if I can. I I made a promise mm-hmm. that I would do it this morning, and then I yep. when I woke up from my <laughs> afternoon nap, I was like, I don't want to yep. do that. Why did I promise to do that? Yep. Um, but I probably need to. Well, I'll bug you tomorrow and be like, Have you called the doctor? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Have you called the doctor? Yeah. And then you can be like, What was it? Uh, stop building so much zealots. Oh yeah, stop building zealots are crap. What are you doing? So that's that's the secondary topic I wanted to hop in here real quick, which I thought was funny. So as you now know, recently the last few weeks I have been trying to learn a little bit more about how to play StarCraft. StarCraft talk. Oh yeah, that really shocked me, honestly. It kind of shocked me too. Because um, okay, who's to preface yeah. this? couple of weeks ago maybe a month ago at this point i said hey brian do you want to just try some 1v1s in starcraft because i had been watching some pro games um and i kind of wanted to try some cheese strats i learned out on you um and we played and thanks and and i won like maybe two out of three we played or something like that and at the end you were just like i don't want to play this anymore i hate i'm so stressed and i could tell you you actually had that like i'm actually kind of annoyed yeah Yeah. um and i was like okay we can let's go play some pots man you're Um, very kind and then um uh, and then like a week after that or so i saw you on starcraft and i said are you on starcraft and you didn't reply Uh um and then today i saw you again on starcraft and i was like brian you're playing starcraft and then you finally told me what was going on so go ahead um yeah so it was kind of related to that in um that i i noticed that yeah i played it and i was just when i played it with you i, I just found it so overwhelming and i remember yeah. we talked about it some afterwards well i think we actually played prismata afterwards oh maybe yeah. based um oh, and yeah. i was like i just don't like the fact that i'm having to keep track of two different things at once when playing starcraft you're basically having to track and it's more than two but basically you're, you're moving things. all your units around but you're also building your base and mm-hmm. you're moving your units around and you're building your base and you're having to think in terms of like building an economy and macro and then you're also thinking micro like moving my units and fighting at the same time right and like in prismata it's turn-based or in heroes you're just moving a unit around or in you know some base building games you're just building the base but it, it stressed me out so much to to keep track of those things at the same time like it, it feels like it's breaking my brain um and then i was i'm trying to remember what inspired it exactly but i think i was like I found myself really wanting to be able to do something that I could just really get into the zone with, like something that I could be, um, the real time aspect was actually what I was looking for because I played Hearthstone for a long time and, um, I play a lot of turn-based strategy games and I play like heroes, but heroes is pretty slow paced and you're so heavily reliant on your, 
your team. Yes. That um, it's a fun experience, but it's almost a more social experience. Yes. And I was really in the mood for something where I could just like completely immerse myself in the experience and just kind of get in that that flow state of just yes. that, that back and forth response with the thing. And I realized I didn't really have anything like that in my life. I'm not playing any physical sports or anything to do that with. And I'm like, you know, yep. that's kind of something that StarCraft kind of does. And also, I'm like, I'm curious if I can just learn enough about this to where it's not stressing my brain out. If my brain can get into a place where it actually ha- understand what's going on. Because I, I know what's happening to my brain. My brain is locking up because there are too many options. And it doesn't even know the basics of how to operate the thing. Right, right. And so it's just locking up because it's choice paralysis. And there are too many things happening at once and it doesn't know what to do. So I'm like... Okay, well, what would happen? StarCraft seems like it would be a really good thing to kind of have this flow state that I'm looking for. So let me see what it would be like to learn it from the ground up. So I used something called the, the staircase method, and I told you a little bit about it. And it's basically Yeah, I, the I idea read through of, that article too. It was really interesting. Yeah, basically introducing you to one thing at a time. So at first it's like you're only allowed to build basically the most basic unit, and you're not even allowed to mine gas, the second resource, you can only get minerals, and you can build that one unit, and you're not trying to win, but you're playing the game, but it gives you some ground rules, like you need to always be spinning your resources as you get them in, you need to not be getting (laughs) supply blocks, so it's like teaching you the very basics, and then it's introducing one mechanic at a time, but you're only allowed to move on to the next mechanic if you've proven that you're still spinning your resources well. Right, within the existing right. mechanic because basically spending money as you get it out is showing that you're not getting overwhelmed and that you're actually efficiently using the resources that you get in and so i started doing that bit by bit and i think the difference in mindset and the idea of like drastically restricting the amount of complexity until i understand something and then moving one thing on mm-hmm. and one thing on has slowly allowed me to um start to like my brain is starting to when a, when a situation pops up, my brain is so much of what's going on in the game is now automated that my brain can deal with the new situation. And I think what made yeah. me so freaked out facing you is that I was going into it cold. And so I'm like, I was trying to figure out, wait, how many workers do I build? When do I build something? How does building uh-huh. things work? When am I supposed to expand? <laughs> All of those questions are going on. And then some crazy cheese strategy is coming at me and there's stealth units in my base and my brain just turned <laughs> off. It's like, well, there's literally nothing you can do. You didn't even know when to build a base, let alone how to respond to this anomaly. So my brain is telling me is like, this is impossible. This is this is too much information. Um, because it couldn't it couldn't get a grasp of it or segment it. Yeah. Um so anyway, what this is like I said to you, I think my favorite thing throughout this has been I've been able to segment enough of it at this point and have processes my my brain can basically run the process of StarCraft now in terms of I know when to build bases, I know how to build workers, and I know how to spin my resources as they come in and turn those into units. Which means when something comes up like, oh my gosh, there are people in my worker line, I can start to respond automatically to that and say, okay, I'll move my workers out, I'll build a base there, and I will build this unit to counter it and do that. And that was really rewarding to watch my brain go from I'm freaking out, I'm mad, I can't deal with this, I don't know what's going on, to okay, that's okay. Something bad happened, but I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that was a really fun, gradual process to watch happen over a few weeks. Cool. Um, yeah, that's, so. that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, think, I think it's a mental hurdle for sure about, like, I think your brain locking up is a really, really, really good way to describe that. It's just like when there's so many possibilities, even just on your side of the map, yes. it, it just is like, I mean, even if there was no opponent, at some yes. point, it's still like, I do I take a second base now or do I build another marine? You know, um, and then yeah. of course you add on top of other people doing stuff. It's just astronomically right. higher. And I liked what that article said was like, 
don't play like don't play to win don't play to build a build order do whatever you want under mm-hmm. these strict guidelines of only build one kind of unit like they, I, yeah. I really like how they said hey you want to proxy a barracks in in the base of the zerg sure as long as you're only building marines like yep. um do do whatever you want as long as you're having fun Yes. That's kind of all that matters, and that was what we were not having was fun. Um, I mean, yes. I was having fun beating you with Jesus, but that's right. just because I, I learned the cheeses. Right, because you, you did have some prior knowledge that you were putting into action there with the, the cheese strategies. And maybe yeah. it didn't take you that far, but you, you were coming from the other angle. But exactly, because like something that I realized about StarCraft is it can be deceptively simple because, let's say... Um, let's say I took some random game. I don't know what game it would be. Well, we'll say like diablo and i said i'm gonna play diablo and i hopped in to the final boss fight with all the abilities unlocked for my play yeah and i'm like that game stinks world of warcraft is a good one for that yeah and it's like well no the game doesn't stick it's overwhelming and bad the thing that's crazy about starcraft multiplayer is it's a complex game but they give you all the options from the get-go and they put no restrictions on you because i mean they have to um and so that's where it can get completely overwhelming where it's like but I have so many options, I feel like I'm supposed to be using all of them at all times. And that's mm-hmm. where this learning method is really helpful for me, where it's like, no, 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 just figure out how to play the game, figure out how to control units, figure out how resources come and go, how attacks work, but limit your options dramatically so that your brain power is being spent on, you know, what's uh, it reminds me of playing like one hero in Heroes, where it's like, instead of switching heroes every time, it's one less thing your brain's having to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, I got obsessed with that hero to the point where I never played anything other than Sonya, but that's a yeah, whole Yeah, but different you're really story. good at Sonya. <laughs> but I am really good at Sonya. Um, but yeah, that that did make it a lot more manageable and a lot more fun to play, and it really was what I was looking for. And when getting into the, the small amount of flow state I've been able to get into with StarCraft with the small amount of knowledge I've had has been really fun, and it's made me really appreciate what, what StarCraft is has to offer in a way that i haven't in a really mm-hmm. long time so that's been cool and it was fun talking to you today because you have the complete <laughs> opposite knowledge base for yep. me where i am literally playing the game and um my my macro is i i upload my things to this little uh, replay analyzer that'll basically tell you how good your your, mm-hmm. your spending macro was and it is almost without fail higher than my opponents whoever i'm facing nice. but my game knowledge is like so bad that I will, <laughs> i'll look at a unit and be like what does that do and it's like oh that's what it does i've never seen that one before and so it's like this incredibly imbalanced uh skill set where i'm like probably better than the vast majority of people around me at one skill and just absolutely horrible at the other skill which is actual game knowledge because i I have basically not played it since the most recent expansion, which means there are entire units, there are entire buildings or whatever that I just don't even know how they work. And uh, uh-huh. it, it was funny to talk to you and you're like, OK, this is how this works. You're Because you've been watching pro games of it for years now. Yeah, that's that's that was what struck me as really funny was because I get all my information from I watch pro games, of course, um, and, and I, I watch them like consistently. I, I, the, 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 the channel I linked to you, which is uh, SCHL. Yep. They upload uh, a clip about every day, and I watch it about every day. Oh, and if cool. I'm really bored, I'll go watch actual like the the cast matches in full. Right. If I'm really bored, um, but what I'm getting there is I'm getting they don't ever show the macro on on that really. Like at the of beginning course. of the game, at the big first like ten minutes of the game, sure they'll show the the players building stuff, but they don't ever show like the, what what their cues look like really, or or what, what, when they and build it's so something fast and like, it's so you fast, even yeah. Understand it. So, but, but, but I've, I've super really understood 
how units work the micro the macro or the micro the the meta um mm-hmm. i understand basically every single unit i know most things counters um honestly it's very similar to how i played hots back when hots yes. was professional where i would go into a hots game and i would know all this stuff but i could never put it to paper because a i and I was probably better than some of my teammates, but I will not say I'm, I was completely not at fault. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough to pull off some of the things they were doing, right? obviously. But then, of course, my teammates also would not be nearly as good, mm-hmm. and it would frustrate me because I was like, the camp timing is at five minutes and three seconds exactly, but my stupid team capped it at five minutes and two seconds, and the whole game yeah. is ruined. Um, so it's, right. it's very similar with StarCraft, where it's like, I know that if the Protoss has Tempests uh, at very extreme late game, that Azurg, you probably should get some Vipers. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to micro a viper yeah, and but i know I, that you should have them <laughs> that's where i could see it being and that's kind of how i played starcraft before is my knowledge was beyond my mechanics so i would yeah. see something where it's like okay they have this unit i know i'm supposed to build this unit i guess i'll start doing that but i would be i, I it would be so sloppily done i'd be wasting so many resources i would be building buildings way too late that like mm-hmm. it wasn't even helpful but what's been helpful about this strategy for me is i'm like i know i should not be building more zealots even though they have air units but i am only allowed to build more zealots so i guess i'll do that a lot <laughs> it didn't always work but like i said it's i've definitely won more than i've lost um even though that's the goal isn't winning at this point i think partially just because i am actually doing things instead of saying right. oh no i could do something more perfect i could be like you know what i'm gonna find a way to win here with just zealots there was one game where the oh, enemy terran had siege tanks set up um which you know their artillery units that are gonna blow my zealots up but i was only allowed to build zealots so i'd send zealots into the wall of the walls where they had siege tanks set up and i would lose my entire army of zealots i built another one i probably lost 10 armies of zealots against this guy <laughs> but i eventually beat him because <laughs> i just wore him down uh-huh. and he could not build it quick enough even though in terms of like countering and game knowledge, I was doing horribly. So it has been mm-hmm. an interesting experience in that sense. Yeah, you should. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to play because it sounds like you got a pretty cool um, strategy at this point. But w- since you're since Protoss is your race, mm-hmm. what I would start looking into right now is the warp prism. Right. Um, which and if you okay so for example in that situation where you're fighting the siege tanks and you were sending wave after wave after wave into the, mm-hmm. into the death instead spend those minerals on i don't know 10 10 warp gates yeah uh, go behind into their base st- activate your warp prism and spawn in just yes a thousand zealots um yes i do get the warp gates but i haven't used warp prisms very often yet yeah they're incredibly powerful like one of the most powerful things protest has in their arsenal is the fact that they can spawn units anywhere with the warp prism the warp prism and the immortal are protoss's two best units probably yes Um, yes that's what actually what i mentioned to you is that's the thing i really want to start practicing is harassing by just popping a bunch of zealots behind people's bases that that does sound like a lot of fun oh yeah 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 and also i would highly recommend adepts as well they're super good yeah i haven't experimented with them much at all i think i'm I'm technically done. I've graduated, quote unquote, the staircase. I finished it today. Um, They have like basically the program you go through. And so I finished that. But I think I'm going to keep using their basic method, which is I'm going to introduce one mechanic or one unit at a time Mm -hmm. and then challenge myself to keep my spinning skill up for four out of five games and just keep doing that one at a time. So I think probably my next thing will be introducing, like I said, some basic scouting. But but I don't just want to open all the possibilities up to myself because no. I'm just going to fall up into the exact same trap I was in before because there's still a lot I haven't used. And that's the other thing I realized is like I'm I'm beating uh, I'm doing pretty well in the ranks I'm in. Um, and, Which is but, what? Probably silver? 
No, actually, I I if there's someone has gold, I will beat them. If it's plat one, I'm about tied with them. Really? Um, yeah, which surprised me a lot. I actually uh, placed in platinum, but really? I haven't been playing ranked since then. Yes, I don't know why. I won like four out of five of my placements. I'm um, super, then. super impressed. That's really but, cool. Yes, thank you. I was not expecting to get there. And granted, I kept playing rank after that when I was just making zealots. And then they're like, you're going to be demoted next season. And I'm like, well, yes, I'm only making <laughs> zealots. Please don't keep me in platinum. But since then, I've been watching my opponent's ranks and they've mostly put me against platinum players. And when I see a platinum player, I'm like, this could go either way. When I see a gold player, I'm like, I am going to win unless something weird happens. And the one time I saw a diamond player, he cannon rushed me and I died. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my little it would be really cool to one day make it to diamond. But right now, I don't want to make my goal win loss based because that's too stressful. <laughs> I mean, that's what the thing that's what the thing said. Yes, is 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 i mean yes the goal is to eventually to win but the first goal is to mostly just learn and have fun right and that, that's um so even if you had fun in that cannon rush game i bet you learned something in oh that yeah cannon i rush learned game. that i can't deal with cannon rushes they're horrible um yeah. but that is something that i um kind of realized is like the skill ceiling on starcraft is insanely high and i will never it's infinite come it's infinite. Even close to it so one yeah. i don't need to rush to get there but two like I need to take my time slowly learning things because the amount of units there are and the amount of complexity, I can't just suddenly expect that I know how all of these units work. Like it's going to be a very slow burn, but I'm I'm enjoying the process yeah. of it, which has never been true for me in StarCraft 1v1. I only enjoyed it when I played it with you before in 2v2 because mm -hmm. it was a little bit less intense. Um, so yeah. anyway, but it, yeah. so now what mm -hmm. you should do is you should go, you should take a pause on the actual gameplay and you should go watch a whole bunch of pro Ooh. games. Um, not to get yourself yeah. like, oh, these are the strats I'm going to use, but just to learn more about, oh, that's what yes. a Viper does. Oh, that's what a Broodlord does. Oh, that's what a Nidus Network does, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know for me personally, I, I know Terran mm -hmm. in and out. Even just from previously, I know Terran in and out. I know every single unit in Terran. I don't know all their upgrades super well. Um, I know Protoss fairly well because of you, but I, I knew very little yeah. about Zerg at all. Um, but watching pro games, again, not to not to like learn strats and to try to get better and be super pro, but just to learn what the units are because you'll yes. see what these units do and the casters typically will explain mm. things pretty well. Um, so if you like, it, I don't know, if you took the time you were playing StarCraft to just watch a bunch of pro games, maybe you would gain that yes. game knowledge so that in the future when you start adding a phoenix mm -hmm. to your build order if if you see the opponent has corruptors or something yeah. you know um i think that's and a, now you have that game i think knowledge. that's a really good idea because i think like it doesn't there, in a safe there are, environment there are two like, elements to it one is you know learning the thing but the other is knowing knowing what to learn um and so i think that would be really good to start building up like all the different potential things that i could learn the, the danger comes if i tried to learn them all at once but i don't have to do that so you're right like if i wanted to add um colossi to my it would be good to see like how are people using colossi like are they using them colossi behind front lines <laughs> what units pair with them what are they getting killed by all those kind of things is really helpful because one of the things that has already been really really satisfying is even though i only have four units it is fun to like get into a battle see what my opponent's using and saying okay they're building a bunch of this thing i'm going to build this thing instead and that is so satisfying to like right. watch those high level strategic decisions affect the tactical decisions like that's very satisfying um yep absolutely but some of my some of my favorite I, I mentioned this to you in the chat but my favorite moments ever playing starcraft was um is when i'm fighting marine marine mm. medevac versus ling yeah. baneling because yeah. i you know at first 
they would just yep. run me over because the banelings are incredibly a good counter yep. to marines but the second i was i i was watching um uh maru mm -hmm. one of the pro players and of course the second he sees banelings his giant club of marines suddenly are in 15 yes. groups and like brrr, spread out and he's shooting and, and then he's not only is he doing that but he's also then selecting each individual group and targeting the nearest baneling not the zergling the baneling to them and i was like i bet you i could do that so i practiced that and i and i i practiced yeah. first i practiced spreading out my marines a little bit and i was okay at it never got mm -hmm. super good at that but what i got good at was kiting yeah. the banelings back because unless they take uh centrifugal hooks which is the baneling yeah. speed upgrade then you can literally yeah. outrun a baneling off of creep and so they would run their baneings and zerglings and i would immediately try to to uh ungroup yeah. my marines and then i would i would very specifically focus fire on the mm -hmm. banelings and i would almost always that's win those so encounters cool. forever again it was yeah, so that's fun. something i've started doing with banelings is i'll spread my zealots out to a certain degree just so that their explosion won't hit so many people but it's not like mm. marines like you can't do as it's not as helpful no zealots are actually a pretty good counter yeah. to banelings marines will just zealots eat up <laughs> their shields can eat up a lot so they at least are good yes. screening force from your, your stuff but that's actually something interesting i noticed about our difference in style for i think learning competitive games in general maybe learning in general but most of the learning i've done with you is competitive games but like i tend to like learning the broad concepts of something and how they click together first and the specifics later and you like to learn these specifics like you love to learn how to play an assassin in in heroes and how to move them around and how to get those mechanics down and i like to learn okay how does xp work how does you know i like to be mm -hmm. the solo laner who's doing map objectives the whole time and doing pve and that's kind of interesting that in starcraft we kind of gravitated the same way again yeah yeah we should try archon, archon yeah. mode again i'm 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 curious how that would work. Uh, you you be doing the macro and me yeah, doing the micro. That would be fun to try. Uh, granted, we would need to do Terran, so I need to learn a few things because I don't want to make you micro on Protoss. Uh, yeah. I how, why can't we do Archon with two races, man? That'd be cool. <laughs> Protoss bases, building Terran units somehow. Here's what we do. We play Zerg. Uh, yeah, it's funny how like, we build I'm getting so ingrained for like, how Protoss works. I would probably just have the complete mind freeze thing again if I tried another race. I'm like... Oh, and Zerg is miserable yeah. too because they don't even build units. They have to have hatcheries yes. to build larvae. Well, and it's like, you like just build them units with one guy, and like you don't have to stay there building them. Yeah. I would hate to have to stay there and build something like again. But, but again, with Zerg, they have to sacrifice yeah. a unit it's to dumb. build a building, yeah. and it's like Zerg is Zerg. the worst. Except I, that they're actually the I best like right fighting now. them though because <laughs> I tend to do pretty well against Zerg, but I hate um, I hate playing them. Uh, the other yeah. game I was playing, and I think I've finished with for now um hades i was actually playing it on your account um oh yeah cool though i did buy it on the switch um because i wanted to support them but i kept playing on pc because 4k looks really good um yeah <laughs> um oh you're playing on tv then you're playing on your tv yes yes piped it over okay, to my cool. tv and i think it is the first pc for game in 4k i've played on the tv um but oh, it cool. looked very very pretty uh have you played it since yeah. release since release, yeah. no. I played I played it a bunch right when it yeah. hit early access, so I know the general gist of it. I was talking it. to Steven about it, and it was interesting because I was, I was playing it, and I enjoyed it, but I also, like, the word that I finally settled on when I was talking to Steven about it, um, and for anyone who, who, who doesn't know, Hades is um, the latest game from Supergiant creators of Bastion. They've been creating this game for a couple years in early access and it just had a full release a few weeks ago um 
And it's kind of a, I, I like how Greg Kasavin, the, the writer, described it. It's like reverse Diablo. Instead of battling your way down in the hell, you're battling your way out of hell. And to me, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like Diablo if it was a run-based, you know, roguelite instead of a loot game. Um, and the, the word I eventually settled on to describe it is the game feels inevitable. Like, it feels like it is. it does everything incredibly well, but it all the things are, it's like, it hits every note you would expect a super giant game to hit. Well, it has super giant art, has super giant voice acting, it has super giant story, and it does all of those very competently and well. And it does everything music you would expect a modern indie game to do very well. It has it's very um, it's a roguelite and it's very easy to pick up and it's got really snappy controls and it's just like it's everything you would expect for a modern indie game, everything you expect from a super giant game. So much to the point that I feel like I had already played it by the time I played it. I'm like, this game is so comfortable and works so well that it almost feels, again, inevitable. And even how the game's set up, I'm like, because of how the structure works and the fact that my character gets more powerful every single run, even if I lose, I know if I continue putting time into this game, even if I don't continue getting better about at it, I will win eventually. And so there is something about it that felt like this thing will almost just kind of play itself by the end so while i really enjoyed it there was also i don't know this sense of like um uh a lack of like something that really to engage me if that makes sense no it makes yeah. perfect sense and and i don't like roguelikes or rogue lights mm -hmm. at all really i've i've very i don't think i've ever played one that i'm like yeah it's people i'm playing i get bored after the first like six yeah. runs um the draw with Hades was the story mm. for me, um, which was incredibly well done. And it's not like it's not like a linear, cohesive story where it's like, here's a cutscene, here's a cutscene. It's 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 very it tells the story very slowly over each yeah. run. Each new character has a new piece of dialogue. But the reason I loved it so much was because I would come back from a run and I would I would hunt for the person I could talk to that would give me yeah. new dialogue. And it was always really interesting dialogue or something funny or something um, just like generally new to to listen mm -hmm. to and then i would run off again and get killed and then <laughs> something new popped up and it never ever ever repeated it was new that stuff was every cool. single time so the the carrot for me was the story i will admit however that again i don't love roguelikes and so i still i did peter out mm -hmm. of it i didn't i didn't even finish the early access content wow. i got to the first, the second boss who would just demolish me each yeah. time and eventually i was not able to keep on playing because i the, the story wasn't quite worth the continued grind against that mm. boss but the reason I did play it for like 20 hours or whatever I played it for was because I loved the story yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is really the genius idea of it. Again, it's like, it's a geniusly conceived game of the, I mean, the whole idea mm -hmm. of a roguelite is that you're playing the same content over and over and over again, which one that's really smart because you don't have to make as much content works incredibly well for an early right. access game. Cause even when they only had one or two worlds, you could play it infinitely. But on top of that, the idea to create a story that slowly unveils itself but never repeats itself and that would like catch me up a couple times when i'd go to face a boss and I'm like oh, i'm facing this boss again i should just skip the dialogue and i'm like oh wait it's a new dialogue no like, that's weird <laughs> like that goes against everything in yeah. my brain as someone who's played games for so long i'm like obviously it's going to be the same dialogue again if i'm facing the same boss again um yeah, that's the innovation yeah. I think they, they, they brought to the table because I think Supergiant always does something innovative mm -hmm. and new. And I, I think that their gameplay, of course, is, like you said, it's very mm -hmm. solid and their art is beautiful. Um, but nothing is new yep. ground except for, I think, the fact that the story was so deep 
and and continuous and never ever yeah. repeated itself um so and i think that's what all their games do mm-hmm. really i think bastion was the same way i think bastion's um bastion's uh uh unique thing was well i would say it's probably its music was very unique right. for the time but i think mostly it was the storytelling it was it was the way they they told the story with the narrator um because the gameplay of bastion's like kind of just whatever it's mm-hmm. it's fun um but it's the way they told the story and then you got transistor which i think the gameplay was the, yeah. the, the really unique thing in that i think nothing no one had ever done th- something quite like that it was like a mix between an rpg and srpg and an action yeah. rpg in a kind of weird way um pyre everything was play weird about pyre that. yeah that was just like football yep. and uh was it the yeah, last pyre one? was the last one yeah, yeah yeah so i think that super giant is they're an amazing group of developers who often find one really good sticking point of a new innovative yeah. idea and and polish that to a shine around pol- also very polished but but familiar yeah. gameplay or another aspect I that's I think familiar. that's a really good way to put it is like they are people that what would you say they're not so indie and art house that they're like we have this one mechanic we love so who cares about making an actually good game we're just going to show yeah we understand video games enough and we like video games enough that we're going to give you a video game and it's going to be a fun good video game with something interesting in it too and they're able to do both of those things which i think is kind of the strength of them but i think in hades at least for me it it got to the point where like so much of it was the video game part um that was fine but wasn't particularly engaging to me that eventually i'm like okay this uh yeah this is uh it is good though it is very well done i did get to the final boss and died to him many times oh you got to the final boss it's hades so maybe there's something after that sounds like it's probably <laughs> the final boss <laughs> they're definitely treating it like the final boss but who knows maybe there's more after that i i do not know um but yeah. Cameron, you mentioned that you had a topic for this episode, so I'm curious to hear what that was. Yeah, I've, I've been, I've been trying to decide if I want to talk about okay. it or not. Why don't I tell you what the topic okay. is, and you can decide whether or not we should sure. talk about it. Um, I'm kind of on the fence. The topic is um, uh, cancel culture. Mm. Um, which I'm assuming you know yeah, what that I is. I do. Yes. Okay. Sure. And here I'll give you the I'll give you the general example of what I've been thinking about. Okay. I guess for you to help you decide if we should talk about it. So I was thinking to myself, it's a good mechanic. Mm-hmm. He charges you a really fair price, fixes your car. He, he he's he's nice. His whatever his, his office is clean. Who cares? He fixes your car. Mm-hmm. You drive away. Your car's great. He also cheats on his wife. Mm-hmm. Do you care? And then mm-hmm. on top of that, the reason I the real reason I thought about this was because of J.K. Rowling, where you have an author. She writes an amazing series of books, mm-hmm. turns into an amazing series of movies. She's a, a bastion of hope and love for, for younger generations. Um, and she's transphobic. Mm-hmm. So I, because I, in the first example, you know, I feel like uh, who cares? But in the second, it's, yeah. you can't, it's hard to say that. So that's the, that's the conversation I was thinking yeah. of having. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think that sounds really interesting. I mean, definitely have a lot of thoughts of it. And I can already in what you said, I'm like, man, there are like seven different directions to go. But yeah, I don't think we're going to touch bottom here, but I think it'd be interesting. I don't know. I'd love to hear what you think about it and just kind of see what what happens with it, because, yeah, it's becoming more and more of a. Uh, something that people are considering. Um, yes, on, yes. On, and it used to be like we would treat politicians that way. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you find out Bill Clinton's having an affair. Um, that's, you know, huge news and everything. Celebrities mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, but now, and J.K. Rowling, I think, to some extent, would fall under that. But 
with the I wonder if with the democratization of celebrity, everyone's on Twitter, everyone's on Facebook, everyone mm -hmm. is basically a celebrity now. We've also democratized the idea of these public standards and um, with a lot of other factors, too. But so I think it's just becoming a lot more relevant of a conversation piece to be like um, uh, the idea of holding pe people to public standards of conduct has become hyper relevant. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's a, yeah. well, I think there's a distinction. There's obviously a huge distinction between, you know, uh, the, the, the mechanic who cheats on his wife and JK mm -hmm. Rowling, who's transphobic as compared to right. people who do actually like bad things. Like yeah. my mechanic is a rapist. Okay. Well, I right. probably don't want him as a mechanic, you know, yeah. he's breaking a law. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that in, in general, if you, if you break a law like that, if you're being, if you're being, um, um, like a, like a sexual offender and I'm yeah. uh, your actor who's a sexual offender, then I actually, I completely 100% agree with the cancer culture in that sense. If yeah. you've done something wrong like that, like with the whole Ubisoft garbage, um, mm. I think mm -hmm. that's justified mm -hmm. personally. Um, yeah. I think the nuance comes in with do, having an opinion on something that people are not happy with. Now I'm going to preface this by saying, please don't take anything I say as like, I agree with J.K. Rowling, who's transphobic, because I, yeah. I, you know, I'm just, this is just me bringing up interesting conversation points. Mm -hmm. But in the two examples that I gave, I couldn't care less if my mechanic is cheating on his wife because he fixed my car, yeah, um, and my car works great, and he's a good mechanic, and I probably won't even ever know that he's cheating on his wife. Um, and even if I did learn, I'd be like, okay, why'd you tell me that? You know, yeah. Um, and the same vein, I also thought about this was um was like music in guns and like guns and roses terrible right. human beings awful human beings yes. sweet child of mine's a beautiful song i love listening to it um yeah so but then or michael jackson. jackson or michael jackson yeah if you believe the allegations against him mm -hmm. my mom brought this up too she was like i was a victim of 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 abuse as a kid and that's what he did and i can't listen to his music and i was like mm -hmm. well crap i get that but i like to listen to thriller you know um yeah, and totally. so Th those are harder for me and then in the jk rowling thing i just rewatched some of the harry potter movies and i'm like man these are such good movies and i love the books as a kid and and the amount of the amount of magic and imagination these books sparked in younger generation of kids yeah. is astronomical yet she hates trans people mm -hmm. and and i'm like I, I don't know what to do or believe um yeah. and well, so I think that oh god i think the first thought i kind of have about it is um the idea that this, I think it's very easy when we run into a problem in, especially when it becomes a very uh, hot topic social issue, to assume that it's like this isolated new thing that's happening. So it's easy to look and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all these people are out there canceling people. This is obviously, we are uniquely insane right now. Why would we be doing that? We're ruining people's lives. Or you look right. at it and say, oh my gosh, we're now realizing these people did all these harmful things. We need to point that out and hold them to high standards. And I think it's important to realize we have been doing this as culture, as human beings, for a very, very long time in yeah. different ways. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we have had a long history of figuring out what are our public standards that people are going to be held to, and how are we going to enforce that? We've done it religiously, we've done it politically, we've done it in all sorts of different ways. And so I think from the beginning, we have to realize it's not just a question of, is this a thing that should be happening or not? It's like, this is always a thing that's happening to some degree. We're putting social pressure on people. We're not, and we're navigating what that space looks like. So I think that's kind of how my brain starts to work with it: is to realize like it's not a is this thing good or is this thing bad, because we're going. This thing's going to be a part of culture one way or the other. Right. 
That being said, I think it's important to realize what are the good things and bad things about this tendency. Um, and I think the obvious good thing, like you, you kind of brought up and like, I think is important is we want to have some amount of, of public con, uh, public expectations of each other. We want to be able to say, we all agree that probably having someone as a murderer be a respected and loved member of the community is not a good idea. They should face repercussions for that. Right. Um, where I start to get uncomfortable with it is when we. Um, not only reprimand someone for them, but judge them harshly and seem to be against them as a person. To me, even saying someone is a murderer is not equivalent to saying, I do not like them, I hate them, and I think they should suffer for it, as much well, as saying... Hold on, I actually yeah. don't agree with that, though. I, I okay. think... I think if, and that's I was misunderstanding you, but I think if someone right. is, a, is a murderer, I think immediately every aspect of their character in, per, in person is, is abolished, basically. There, I would just strongly disagree with you because I, I just believe very much in the innate value of every human being, no matter what they've done. I mean, I'm not saying a person should be murdered immediately, you know. No, not even. So, but I'm saying, like, I would still want myself personally and especially as a society to respect the person, even if that does mean denying them rights and uh, huh. statuses in a society, even if it means locking them up. But that again, that's very important to me is that idea of. To me, like the idea that everyone is not beyond redemption and that everyone has value and everyone deserves respect is important. And I, I don't like it when the idea of judging someone for their actions overrides the underlying, I guess, dignity that I think is due to a person. I mean, is there a line for you, though? Like, what about like a pedophile? Like, I think they still have dignity as a person. Interesting. Yeah. I've never actually heard that particular argument before. Um, yeah. I mean, because in my mind, there's 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 crimes heinous enough that that person is right. unredeemable um, mm. and and they could rot in a jail cell for the rest of their life. And I wouldn't even yeah. literally feel one bit of sadness. Um, mm. that, so mm -hmm. I, I just have never heard that particular argument made before. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a. Uh... It's not necessarily like it, it's an argument that I, I completely understand people who would hold another view, especially when it comes to someone who has done something to you personally. If someone has done something to your family member and you just emotionally can't get beyond right, that, I understand right. that. But I also think that's something important that we're all called to is that idea of seeing. Well, I guess it goes back. It's, it's not an original idea. The idea of loving your enemies, like the idea of extending your the dignity of personhood to not just the categories of people you already like, but the categories of people that you would least want to extend that dignity to is the way of, I guess, ensuring that your that love remains something that's actually real and not just loving the people that are already doing something good for you. Um, gotcha. That to me is when the when it comes to the cancel culture thing, that's the part to me that's very troubling is when I see people like not only do um, not only do I want to uh, pull these moral standards but i want to demonize the people that are breaking them and that becomes i think that's always something of a problem but it becomes a much bigger problem when these infractions are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and i think that's the other interesting thing when i said um not just focusing on is canceling good or bad obviously it's coming up right now because of the moment and i think what's interesting in the moment right now and i'm curious to get your thoughts on this does it feel like there's a rapid acceleration of what, uh, an acceleration of what's unacceptable. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying, and I think the answer is yes. But I think it's happening in 
I mean, there's definitely outliers, right? Where it's like, right. it's this person said the N word 10 years ago on Twitter, right. cancel them. You know, there, yes. there, has, there has to be a line in the sand somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is, is like, let's, let's go like celebrities, for example. Like, for example, The Expanse, one of the, character, one of the actors on The Expanse was, was, had alleged sexual misconduct. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and that bummed me out because I love The Expanse and I love the character. Yeah. in expanse that this person plays um but in my mind they they deserve to be kicked off the show and mm-hmm. possibly not have acting work anymore because they made the life of other people's other people miserable right. like i don't want them to go to jail unless they did something yeah again unless they did something that actually broke a law right i don't think they should go to jail but right. they should definitely be punished for it and and i think it's accelerating at this point because it's a snowball effect yeah and once it started to happen, more people who have had it happen to them spoke up. Um, yes. The whole Me Too movement, um, which I think is, is is at its heart a good movement. I think people mm-hmm. misuse it, of course, but everyone misused everything. So yes, but at the true. core of it, it's a it's a it's a good movement of hey, I see that person who was sexually assaulted is coming forward. I can come forward too. I have the strength mm-hmm. to come forward, and and like with like that's what. I think probably Bill Cosby started the whole thing, honestly. Right. And he was a right. horrible human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had like the big profile names like Kevin Spacey, who also got canceled. Um, right. Uh, um, what's the comedian? Uh, oh, uh, Louis. Yeah, Louis C.K. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, it got, it, you're right, it does get smaller and mm-hmm. smaller. And like you have like the whole riot games thing where there was a right. dude bro culture of people farting on each other and, and 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 using vulgar right. profanity and and i for me though that still all holds like if you're if mm-hmm. you're if your employees at your at your at riot if the employees at riot right. are getting farted on or are, are are trapped in this hierarchy of of men who uh mm-hmm. i think it's think it's still the 90s and it's just six of the dudes working yeah. in an office and the women or whatever are becoming uncomfortable like that needs to be taken care of um and if that mm-hmm. means firing the the person who's allowing this to happen, like I don't really pros- particularly see another way it could happen. Like it's not yeah. it's not fair to ask the the victims to quit their job and find another job. Right. I don't think, anyways. Um, yeah. So, but to answer your question, yes, I I do think it's snowballing larger and larger, yeah. and and of course there is potential for it to be bad because, like yeah. I think I think the J.K. Rowling one is a really good example of one that's mm-hmm. really towing the line because just like I don't care if someone is gay, I don't particularly care if somebody doesn't like gay people like i'm not going right. to be friends with that person like if somebody yeah. is like i hate gays i'm going to be like cool don't talk to me but mm. i'm not going to be like you should burn for that like it's right. the same thing as like i like i like donald trump well it's like cool i don't really like him yeah. but whatever well, she, you know one one particular difficulty we can be running into is like if you take the rule that I will not be friends with someone who holds an unacceptable viewpoint, like I hate gays, like let's take that as an unacceptable mm-hmm. viewpoint someone could hold. Um, and then you combine the rule with I will not associate with people with unacceptable viewpoints. When you put those two rules together and make and suddenly vastly widen what unacceptable viewpoints are, that means tons of people are no longer going to be respecting or talking to each other. And that to me is where the, the difficulty comes into comes in because if you're like i'm not going to talk to anyone who doesn't have a respectable viewpoint and my respectable viewpoint includes let's say anyone who voted for trump i no longer can be friends with them the problem you run into then is a vast narrowing of who you're willing to actually associate with and to me the way we actually grow as human beings and 
adapt our opinions and connect with each other is by not by holding broad political opinions, but by actual connections with each other as human beings. And if we're too, too, uh, what would you say, liberally doling out um, what is respectable and unrespectable opinions, it's kind of like the hyper conservative Christian who says, I'm not going to talk to anyone who isn't a Christian because they don't have anything valuable to provide. And it's like, but you're walling yourself off from your own growth by doing that. And that's where my worry comes in from that angle. Though, again, it's a balance where we, we, you do need to set up boundaries and not be like uh, just associating with anyone and everyone because that can also be extremely bad for people. Right. I, I just don't think that's happening yet. Which and one? I don't think it, what, the, what you said about, about yeah. um, the association boundaries getting smaller and smaller to mm. the point where, you know, I don't talk to non-Christians because, I mean, Christianity has been around for uh, forever. And yeah. It's it, yes, you of course you always have the outliers like the Westboro yeah. Baptist Church who refuses to talk to yes and calls everyone a heretic and etc. But it we haven't devolved into that yet. Um, I'm seeing signs of it. I read a very interesting, well considered article of someone who basically is saying I'm not going to talk to my parents at all because they voted for Trump. Right, but th- mm-hmm. that's that's an outlier case. Like right, I'm it, just th- saying that's that's it, yes. Everything happens right. always. Like that is know, also true. If you look, if you look for an answer on the internet, you're gonna like. I, I had a really funny example of this one time where I was having a conversation <laughs> with a friend about Apple, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I like Apple. And he's like, Apple sucks, and I'm like, Apple's fine. And if you like Apple, you like Apple. And he's like, yeah. people called Steve Jobs a god, and I'm like, people don't call Steve Jobs a god. And he just Googled he's, Steve Jobs god, do. and yeah. he found an article that said Steve Jobs was a you're god. Right. I'm like, well, that's, our language is yeah. so slippery. And, and that's and, another interesting oh go ahead go ahead oh well i was just to say that's that's the problem with its confirmation bias is like i think this thing therefore i found this thing where someone agrees yes. with me and you can find that anywhere on the internet but 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 i think the christianity thing kind of shows that yes there will always be outliers to the situation mm-hmm. where people do cut themselves off from the, from people who, mm-hmm. who they think is bad and the boundaries way too low but mm-hmm. the majority of us don't do that and yeah. I don't think this little movement of 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 cancel culture is going to change that. I think we're going to mm-hmm. still like I think I could be wrong, but I really believe that things like the JK Rowling trans thing is about as far as we're gonna go because like mm-hmm. what's the next level? She doesn't like, I don't know, men. Well then then everyone's gonna go, Well, that's just that's just silly. Yeah. And even the people who like JK Rowling are gonna be like, Well, I like men. And yeah. and I think yeah. I don't think it, I don't think as a society, as a working functioning human yeah. society, we can go that far. I agree. I think I think the movement is itself inherently dissipating because at some point at some point you either draw your categories too broadly or you draw them too specific in either mm-hmm. way that's self-defeating. Um so I do agree with that. And I think your point about the the confirmation bias is a really good one and the idea because what is this movement this movement is except what would you say the people who are hyper vigilant about it are exceptions to the rule the people who won't talk to someone who voted for someone or whatever and the people we are canceling are exceptions to the rules for the most part they are people who did things so it is exceptions talking about exceptions and so it's like at some point it's like both extremes bouncing against each other and that's where i'm like you can make both cases very compelling. You can make a very compelling cases for why a lot of the people being canceled did something wrong. And you can make very compelling cases for why taking a cancel-ish attitude towards people can lead to bad places. But I think we're spend- it can be easy to spend a lot of the time arguing for the merits of each individual case that comes mm-hmm. up and getting very caught into that cycle. Like, well, what that person did was worthy of canceling. What that person did was not worthy of canceling. And it's like... So I think that's where a lot of our, our time can be spent. But I, I also agree with you that it kind of is, uh, it's kind of by definition, the margins all 
uh, like exceptions talking to exceptions. So yeah, there is some hope there that that's not going to ever be. Maybe it's just more public than it's ever been before. Well, that's that's one hundred percent true. Yeah, like yeah. that's for sure. The internet has made that a very easy possibility. Yeah. Um, and I think as a society, I think that we have a very specific overlaying idealism um yeah. where if somebody hates if somebody hates black people that person's going to be shunned by the majority of the people again you're always going to have outliers who agree are mm-hmm. and are also racist but majority of people and and but but you know 100 years ago that wouldn't have been the case but we're growing as a society and and now this decade's issue is is trans people and mm-hmm. and you again you're going to have people who agree with JK Rowling it's like oh trans people ooh. but then the majority yeah. of people are going to go well that's not acceptable but then if somebody doesn't like pizza pineapple on their pizza well we know that yeah. as a society that's not something worth shunning somebody over yeah um until like maybe 50 years from now we learn that pineapple caused a genocide you know but like right. get my point though it, it's well, it organically grows right yeah it, it organically grows as a society and i think i think enough of humanity grows along with the status quo yeah. that that outliers never on both sides never overtake the general populace the process will continue because I feel like both sides at some point want the process to stop. So like right. the hyper conservative people in this particular idea, the hyper against cancel people are like, can we just stop canceling people at all? Can we just stop that? Or the people who want to cancel want to be like, can we just get rid of bad behavior? Can we just get yeah, rid just of anyone being who's being yeah. intolerant <laughs> to anyone? And both of those want the process to stop. We want to reach the end. Where they basically either want behaving- similar things, funnily enough. Exactly. They want perfection. um we either want total freedom or we want total good behavior obviously you cannot have both of those you cannot have a totally free society that is always behaving well first of all people disagree on what behaving well is and that's the so i think you're right that it's always going to be this dynamic process that we always want to put into one way or the other but i like that you're kind of bit of optimism there we're like we're always going to have the extremes wanting to end this process now one way or the other Mm -hmm. but it's a process that just has to go because we can't even reach perfect justice now because you're right what justice is is going to change in 50 years our perception of what makes something just will be completely different and as it to some extent should be because like uh, some of these issues like let's say the transgender issue we just didn't even think about that being a thing however long ago and so like i'm sure people were repressed and the believe me anyone who is an extreme margin is going to be hurt in a society and that can stink and that has to change over time as we recognize but we can't be paying attention to everything at once or else our very functions of perception will fall apart and so it's like it's it's this balance that as we start to notice a problem it has to be addressed but it does take time for that to actually make its way through the fabric of of society so it does and i mean and i said this this century was kind of the trans uh change in mindset but i think the end of last century, you know, we had racism in the beginning of last century, and then we had gays in right. in the beginning of, or the end of this last century, and then I think trans is the next one, and I think it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. Those are like the I, there's obviously lots of little things, but right. those are the big like public perception changed on black people, public perception changed on gay people, right. public perception is changing on trans people, mm-hmm. um, and eventually it'll mellow out in theory. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, again, you're gonna have the stragglers, but I I, I hope mm-hmm. it continues to work. Like, I I could see a point where society does break down and suddenly, yeah, um. And the the real weirdos would say the tr- Trump is the is the po- tipping point. That everybody's sure. going to start believing that everyone's going to start becoming Republicans, and the tipping point's going to happen, and then everyone's going to have <laughs> Republican ide- ideolo- ideologies. Sure. And I'm like, he's not big enough to do that. 
He, no. He's not. And matter of fact, I no. would say the majority of the country probably doesn't agree with him anymore at this point. You know, mm-hmm. he he's mm-hmm. the, he's not a big enough entity to change that much of public opinion about no. anything. Um, yeah. But hey, to go, I mean, how, you want to chat still? I, I I'm actually feeling fine. Yeah, I'm, we're good. So yeah. let's go back to yeah, separating art from art yes. the artist. I think that was a really interesting discussion point too. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's that's where this originated from. Because I, th- I think that was an amazing conversation, but I, I feel like we probably hit the hit the talking yeah. points on it. So absolutely, it could kind of go forever. But I think thank you for really your opinion, by the way. I've never heard yeah. your particular side of that before, and that was really interesting. So yeah, totally. Um, okay, so the again, the whole reason I brought this was up was because I love Harry Potter. And I, mm, I, I watched mm. all the movies. I, I rewatched them just recently and I read all the books and I can't wait for the new Harry Potter video game. It looks absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, but J, J.K. Rowling is is a transphobe and that's okay. a bummer. Um, gotcha. I have, I have kept track of very little of what she said, so I'm ignorant on this whole area. But sure. I know I know you the general concept of a creator, th- things coming to light about a creator that makes you no longer respect them, I'm very familiar with. So. Yeah. And, and the question I have to ask myself is, because you know, I feel a little guilty sometimes about about sure. I- I'm consuming media created by yes. uh, somebody that I don't particularly have appreciation for, um, mm-hmm. and and I think there's also a difference between like watching the Cosby Show nowadays versus yeah. reading Harry Potter because Bill Cosby actually did some really awful things. He did mm-hmm. things that are bad. Rowling mm-hmm. said things that are iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, well, you know, I'll just say it. She did. Th- she said things that were bad. She it wasn't okay. iffy. She said bad okay. things. Um, I don't want to shed. I don't want to make light of 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 sure. trans people's problems. She, the things she said were very insensitive. Um, mm-hmm. and but, but like, wh- what line do you draw? How can I be comfortable mm. listening to Sweet Child of Mine and watching Harry Potter movies, but mm. I don't want to watch the Cosby Show? I can't watch House of Cards anymore because of Kevin Spacey. Um, mm-hmm. I I recently saw a Louis C.K comedy bit and i was like that was really funny that guy's a horrible horrible pervert um mm. I, I don't i honestly this is my question the reason i brought this up is because i don't have an answer for this i don't really know what to mm-hmm. think about this um what are your thoughts yeah. yeah i don't have an answer either so this definitely for me um a big thing that i dealt with was um there were allegations sexual assault allegations against uh jeremy salt oh i didn't know that composer uh again there were just a couple of people. I have no way of confirming if they were real or not. Right. Um, I don't know if he's ever responded to it. It was sometime late last year, I think, um, mid to late last year. And I don't know if anything was ever confirmed fully one way or the other about it. But that was very troubling to me because not only he, I probably would have listed him as my favorite video game composer of all time, but his music is like deeply beautiful to me. Like I absolutely love it. It's some of my favorite pieces mm-hmm. of art ever. And so to reconcile that idea with some of the things that I think are most sublime and beautiful are potentially came from someone that I think would be extremely broken and damaged and hurtful. That's a hard thing to. It's rectify. super hard. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I think that's very valuable because everything we love is broken to some degree. And anyone who's honest with themselves to some degree realizes the things that they hate in another person are in many ways shared within themselves. Like we are all deeply flawed. If we right, look, right. if we look far enough into ourselves or anyone that we love, there are, there are deep flaws there too. And so that's on one hand, again, I don't like the idea of saying we can only appreciate art from pure people because then we will have no art. Because if you dig deep enough in anyone's life, you will find problems there. 
But it goes back to that public, uh, what would you say, that idea of what do we want to be publicly acceptable? Because you also want to have standards to some degree. And, and you, you want yeah, to hold I think, people no, I'm going to rephrase that. I think you have to have standards. Yeah. I think you absolutely have to, to have a society that functions. Yeah, exactly. And so that becomes a very interesting question of when does, how do those standards apply with, it, with using the pr- products of someone? So, for example, Henry Ford. Weird guy, if you I, look into. Yeah, not a great his, person. Very anti-Semitic, very, I believe, racist, very strange person. We are driving cars. Right. What do we do? Right. <laughs> what do we do? That's no different from listening to Michael Jackson. Right. So yeah. in a functional sense, it's no different. So why does this come up? And some people would say, well, dismantle it all. Dismantle, you know, all of some people go very deep with that on the societal level, either dismantle all society, dismantle capitalism because of the sins of so-and-so. But the, the problem you run into is it's like, where do we go? Ancient Greece, ancient Rome, ancient anywhere. We're going to find way bigger problems there than anything Louis C.K. did if we want to look deep enough. So it's right. like we run into that trouble with our past where it's like no matter what we look into, that that evil is embedded within it. And so that's where coming back kind of up to the artist level. I wonder if one thing that makes that so hard in the art level is that the human personal connection from product to thing is nowhere more evident than in the world of art because we hold these people up as Michael Jackson did that. We don't even think about the songwriters that Michael Jackson worked with, who was mm-hmm. the bassist on um, any of his songs. We don't think about that. We think right. it's a Michael Jackson song, even though. So I feel like this idea of artists like brings that to light more because we are connecting the idea with the person more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, th- that's just one random thought I had about it. Well, yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. And, and honestly, you were kind of about to hit on what I was kind of the only guiding light i've had with with mm-hmm. that conversation which is something that dan avidan said from into sex party right um he said that art and by extension like things like henry ford's car and things like that but creations of humanity belong to humanity not yep. to the person who created it and mm-hmm. in that sense he's he was able to disconnect himself from the artist in most cases because it's like Michael Jackson released Thriller. Thriller is now owned by humanity. People mm-hmm. love Thriller. People play Thriller. And it's it's collectively ours to own. It's not Michael Jackson's. And so right. for whatever he did, you know, it doesn't Public matter. Because he, yeah. And yeah. as long as the song isn't like, I killed the guy and I did bad things, you know, the whole time. Yeah. Like the song itself is is not evident of his lifestyle or what he did badly as as an adult mm-hmm. it's it's just the song that humans love mm-hmm. and they can consume it without i mean they in theory they can consume it without connecting it to the bad things michael jackson right. did that's not to dismiss the bad things you should be able to say yes i know michael jackson maybe did some bad things um mm-hmm. you shouldn't forget the past but you should disassociate the past with the art if the art has brought humanity forward i guess yeah. i don't necessarily I mean, say i agree with that i'm just saying that's kind of yeah. been the only i like i like i like sort of agree with that it's the only guiding yeah. star i've had in this conversation i think it, it makes a lot of sense well i think humanity has only been the only way we grow is through the redemption of the imperfect like right the only place we go is from imperfect imperfection like so waiting around for perfection does 
it just can't work. And it, it either leads to an extreme legalism where you keep narrowing your definition of perfection until everyone is sinful, everyone is horrible, and you can't you can't interact with anything. Well, again, I think society would balance that out, though. I think that goes yes. back to the same thing we were saying, exactly. is that there will always be a balance between extremisms. Yes. And, and it, it'll keep on changing, of course, but mm-hmm. there will not, I, don't think there, I don't think there will ever be a time that one extreme wins over the other. Yes. Um, and I so, completely agree with you. Yeah. And that's where I think that, like, that's, that's why I think the idea of trying to abstract this out and saying, is there, I don't think there is a way to just... Um, cleanly be able to just what would you say separate out the bad people from art and keep the good people in art like Mm -hmm. i don't think that we're i think we can try at it so long as we're willing to know we will be deeply flawed and unsuccessful at like because like we talked about it's so shot through like someone's contribution to art we're not even realizing all different ways these things are interconnected so just being able to look at one song and say well this person was bad so i'm not going to listen to that one song um is kind of ignoring all the different ways this stuff's already interconnected. Like, I don't think it's that easy to, to splice out the, the bad things. Right. Um, that being said, I also think maybe there's something valuable to be learned from it in terms of not hero-worshipping people to begin with. And I think that's one of the things that's easy to fall into with media is to see something and start saying, this person... This person did such a good work of art, thus I they are a good person, or thus I should trust them. I mean, look at celebrity culture and groupies and how much people like Guns N' Roses and Rock and Rollers and stuff are able to get away with because they've abused the trust that people have put in them, or that the public has put in them. Right. And we it's kind of reaping what you sow. If you're going to treat this person and give them this massive ego and say, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You created all of this stuff and you're an awesome person for doing that. And, you know, Steve Jobs is a god. Michael Jackson is a god. Then the other side of the coin is going to come there. And so maybe it's a little bit of a teachable lesson to never have invested that much obsession and authority in one person to begin with. I don't know. Wouldn't that also stifle creativity, though, and and, and mm. humanity as a, as a whole? Because if, right. if nobody said... Wow, Axl Rose, you got a great singing voice. You sound so amazing. Would he have kept mm-hmm. on making music? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, and 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 I, I but I, I agree with you in general that it, mm-hmm. we do put people too much on, up on a pedestal. Yeah, um, we really do because, like you said, we're all imperfect. And and if you're if you're on the public eye enough, do one thing wrong, and suddenly yeah. everybody knows. But at the same yeah. time, if we don't hold these people up on a on a pedestal in some way. Mm-hmm we might stifle that possible creativity that could have come mm-hmm. out of them um, because a lot of yeah. people's creative drive comes from their fans. Right. Um, not all of it, of course. You yeah. might have the, the, the tool who, who goes mm-hmm. into hiding for 12 years and comes out with an album, but yeah. a lot of people thrive on yeah. creative energy from other people. Well, honestly, I'm going to well, rephrase that. I think humanity thrives on other humans yes. as a group. And so well, it's, it's hard. Your own principle it's kind of a the, the question of the excess more than it's it's never going to be one or the other we're never going to get rid of that entirely but right, i think if yeah. you look at pop culture it's hard to deny we have overdone that <sighs> i think pop to me the rock star pop star lifestyle there's something look at how many of them die of drug overdoses look of how many of them die or are deeply depressed there seems to be something wrong with how that whole dynamic played out i but, are you that sure that's just not just an issue of humanity? Like, I'm depressed. <laughs> right. 
if no, I had absolutely if, right well my, I'm not trying to compare myself to them I'm just saying like I think that's just a uh, like people overdosing on drugs I don't I'm not sure. I don't know if I would blame that on their fame right all the time like obviously no. it happens but I, I don't know it it it, it it seems like that's just something humanity does is self-destruct mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not they're in a spotlight. That's very fair. And I don't mean to say that people are only self-destructing because they're in their spotlight, I guess, less than any particular one causation, I guess, for me. And again, maybe maybe this is my overreaching to assume other people would think this, too. But I look at I look at the connection between someone's talent and their ego and how much of their own self-worth and ego they start to invest in their talent. And the feedback loop of people telling them, yes, you are valuable because of your talent and how that feeds on itself to an unhealthy degree and that leading them into a bad place. And gotcha. I think like everything, that talent has to be placed within a bigger structure. That can't be your reason for living solely and that can't be your highest good because that's going to destroy you at some point. That's never going to be enough for you. And oh, see, that's interesting because I don't agree yeah. with that. I think okay. I think humans can be placed on this earth as as a sole bearer of the talent that they're given mm. um i think like, it will inevitably corrupt them if they don't have something higher than that well what about the the rest of celebrities that aren't horrible like i i mean i don't think that again i'm not saying that anyone who has a talent um builds up an obsessive ego about that talent isn't that what you just said <laughs> no i said that's a danger that we can run into with celebrity culture was more of my point there okay gotcha because yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I i am i'm I, this might come from my faith background but i mm -hmm. i believe that humans are given very specific like very specific i don't want to say goals because that's sure. silly this is not a video game but i can't think of a better words so i'm gonna say goals um i think humans are given specific talents and goals that mm -hmm. that that when they find that yeah, that could be their like that could I mean, obviously, they could do some other stuff. It's not like that, mm -hmm. that's the only thing they could oh, yeah. do. But like totally. Michael Jackson, he was a singer and that was yes. his contribution to the universe forever. And right. if he right. had stopped and become a cashier at yeah. Walmart, that would have been a yeah. huge waste of his talent. Mm -hmm. um, right. No, I'm not saying they need to be balanced, leading a balanced life in terms of doing a little bit of singing and a little bit of cashier work and a little bit of that. I guess the point that I was trying to express that I see at least is attributing that talent to the person and saying, one, your self-worth is, is in this and that, what would you say? I guess encouraging that you are responsible for that talent rather than mm -hmm. saying this talent is something to be, it's hard to, hard to say exactly. It's, no, I, yeah, trust me, I know. <laughs> yes, it's the connection of the talent with the ego rather than a, a, an appreciation for the talent but but not fusing the two, if that makes sense. And it, I think it's a it makes sense. Yeah, no, but this like, whole conversation is. It's a difference between someone that would be like, "Oh man, I'm such a great singer. I'm so good, and I create." Man, I'm sure glad I created this great singing I have. And someone who's like, who has a hum sense of humility and detachment from it, who appreciates how good of a singer they are. But if they suddenly lost their voice the next day, their life wouldn't be over. They have a larger view of life than that. If that. If that makes sense. Okay. No, that was a good example. I actually, I understand. It, it literally, I had a click in my brain when you okay. said that. I totally get what you're trying to say now. And yeah. And uh, I think that a, a good example of that would be like a band like, well, if you compare Guns N' Roses to a band like Rush, where yes. they played for 40 years, never did drugs. I mean, they probably did some mm -hmm. drugs, but they never sure. partied and they went back yes. to the hotel after each, each, each um, tour. They mm -hmm. toured for 40 years, literally. They yeah. retired. That's it. 
That's all they yeah. did. And then they're retired. And then Guns N' Roses, yeah. meanwhile, you know, had 17 different band members. Uh, a couple of them died. They released right. one album in the past 20 years. They don't tour anymore because they're too old and frail. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I think a lot of that could probably be attributed yeah. to the fact that they felt that they were rock stars and they, yes. they went crazy. So I get what you're saying now. Yeah, totally. But I, I, I also get how you were seeing it and why you would push back on that with that idea of, yeah, you also want to encourage these people. Yeah. And that encouragement is something that we as society are offering them. I will never have the talent of someone like Michael Jackson, but I can offer encouragement to someone who has that talent. And I think that's a really good thing. But back to the idea of the, um, the celebrity status, there was something I was going to say on that. I find for me, as I start to develop, as I start to develop more of a sense for, for the person behind the art, I start to really respect and invest in the art or respect in the creators i feel that are um being the type of people i want to see deserve it of the recognition so for example like a band like poets of the fall they don't party like crazy they they keep they they really focus on their art they're not drinking all the time they're not obsessed with rockstar lifestyle and you can see it in how they act and how they treat their fans and how they treat people not them saying they're perfect i don't know everything about them or a band like switchfoot i see what a genuinely caring person john is again not not a perfect person, but yeah. I'm finding myself drawn to investing. Well, I'll listen to Guns N' Roses now and then. I don't have the kind of connection and investment in Guns N' Roses that I have in something like Switchfoot. And so I think in addition to there being the cancel thing, there's also the positive element of that, which is naturally being drawn towards and investing in the creators that you really think. It sounds like for you, Danny, from uh, uh, Ninja Sex Party, um, someone like that. Yeah, and funny enough, he had some accusations posted against him Mm-hmm. And I had this whole crisis on my brain. I was like, yep. no, yeah. but it turned out to be completely false. And right. um, I was like, oh, thank God. Right. Um, but I probably would have, again, unless they were super serious, I probably would have kept on watching Game Grumps and listening to Ninja Sex Party. You know, it's like, right. and kind of where I've slowly settled, even in just this conversation, what I've thought of is mm-hmm. the reason I could watch Harry Potter is because I think I am fairly good at separating acknowledging the issue but then not letting yeah. it control the the the, the huge yeah. influence that the a good media has has had on my life but like i don't think i could watch louis ck anymore because yeah i have to see him face to face it's 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 too, it's too personal i guess right um but I, I i think i think there is a place to disconnect from from the artist and i was going to ask mm-hmm. you like what what would be your gut reaction if suddenly you learned mm-hmm. that John did something imp- particularly bad? Like, yeah, what would you do with that information? Yeah, it is really interesting because um, to some people, to some extent, with people like John, I've seen so much of him and just him interacting with his band, and I've seen him posting videos on Facebook that it would almost be the extent of like if I learned that a friend of mine did something like that right, it would like yeah, yeah. a sense of personal connection is there to where i would be like oh man i feel really bad for him and for anyone that it affected and that he that's going to be an incredibly hard thing for him and everyone to deal with and it's almost like my first concern wouldn't be oh do i get to consume your art or not it would almost be just concern for what everyone's going through on a human level right. if that makes sense it and does. then when it comes to the art i'm like I guess to me, it would change how I view the art, but the binary decision of do I support the art or not to me isn't isn't the most important thing. Gotcha. And I guess that's where I kind of, hmm. 
I know, I know, I know. Hmm. Yeah, because that's because I think about like how I would because uh, I feel there's the practical and there's the emotional level here. And in the emotional level, I think that we're always being shaped by how people act. And I think it's like we talked about in this conversation, it's very valuable to realize the shades of gray that exist and that no one's perfect and all of that. But then it comes to the practical level. Like, do you want to be giving these people a platform and money and so on, especially yes. if they are continuing the behavior? And that's another yeah. huge thing. Is it a one time thing that they are trying to correct? Is it serial and you know they're going to continue doing it and they don't care? Like that practical level, I think, is a whole different element of it that we haven't oh my talked gosh, about yeah. as much. And I think you actually very, very lightly touched on it early, early on in this conversation. We're talking about mm -hmm. the people who did the super bad things and you could see redemption in them. Yes. I, I, just, I disagreed. Mm -hmm. I would agree with what you just said is that like if J.K. Rowling right now said, I'm really sorry about what I mm -hmm. said about trans people. I was I was ignorant, misguided. I, I realized what I said was hurtful. Um, even even if she said, I don't particularly have a different scene, different, my mind didn't particularly change, but I realized mm -hmm. what I said was insensitive and awful, and I, I, I'm just yeah. not going to talk about it anymore, and I'm, I'm really sorry. I hope it doesn't diminish my creations. Right. I'd be like, all right, that was okay. You know, like, give me a, give me a year, and maybe I'll yeah. have been okay, and I'll read your next right, book, right, you right. know? Right. Um, or if, or if, or if like Switchfoot guy, John was, had this, something similar and he was like, oh, yeah, I did something really bad 10 years ago and I'm really sorry. And I'm working this and this and this to repair it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like if that person has a, has a history of being okay, makes a mistake or even a couple of mistakes or whatever, repents and fixes it. Yeah. I can see a situation where they can be redeemed. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely the serial or the really holding on to that weird or awful belief that yes. they have. That's where I don't have I, I i can't handle that right right and again it comes to like the the, the practical supporting of them that i think yeah. then we all just have decisions to make um and uh hopefully we will uh we will be able to make them with some amount of uh perspective and wisdom but that's always difficult so yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah i think so the difficult. big thing is like from this you know hour-long conversation we've had I just hope everyone in this very public and online space where we're all figuring this out just continues to have a lot of patience with each other because we all have our own standards and we all have our own backgrounds and we are all figuring out what this means mm -hmm. um, over time. And it it is great to have conversations like this. And but it's also like we need to have a lot of patience because not everyone's going to see things exactly like how we do, especially when it comes to specific actions that specific people take. Um, yeah, it's complicated very quickly. Um, yeah, and I and I'm I feel like I'm fairly lucky in the fact that I I swing liberal in terms of like mm -hmm. beliefs, but I'm also very like, hey, that liberal belief you guys have that's dumb, yeah. that's stupid. Why yeah. are you doing that? And yes. so, I, but I but most of the media, the news I consume is liberal, mm -hmm. and so I'll I'll often see like a piece, uh, like like when when the Harry Potter game was announced, yeah, so many pieces about about how they should just cancel this game and yes and yes. and and for just wipe out the face of the earth and dis disassociate mm -hmm. everything with take your role and i was like that guys yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people put their life and soul into this harry potter video yeah. game we can't just cancel it because of this mm -hmm. I, I like that's excessive that's excessive yep there, there has wow. to be a middle ground here like sure maybe yeah. make sure that jk rowling doesn't get that much money from the game or something but there's yeah. no reason we should like literally people were calling for the cancellation of that game and i'm like that's yes. insane yes um, but, oh, again, but again i i was reading the, the the those people that 
were saying cancel the game were the fringe i was reading yeah. the fringe absolutely and, and the, like uh, the billion people probably said uh, the same thing i was saying you know and it's funny that i brought up at the beginning of this the conservative christians it has been so interesting for me to watch this cultural shift over the last 20 years i i think it was your mom who or maybe someone else's mom I knew who burned the harry potter books that was my mom from a conservative christian angle yep and now the literal opposite political spectrum is trying to cancel jk rowling like yeah yeah the 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 again this is this you are right that this is a deep part of human nature um and i think in the conservative thing that was definitely at some point a conservative christian fringe thing to be completely burning books and stuff yeah and yeah and likewise this this fringe is going to exist somewhere in our society so it's also the patience with that not only the patience with people but the patience with people who just seem to be freaking out over things that were like that that definitely seems like too extreme of a reaction here but <laughs> yeah and yes i totally know what you mean and it's 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 interesting because for the past this is a, it's a we could probably end this podcast i was just thinking of another, <laughs> another example at this point oh, which man. is um in the past like two months or whatever the trump administration has been trying to ban mm -hmm. tiktok and other yes. chinese yes. apps and right. the first time that came the first or before that came to light of course mm -hmm. the liberal side of things were like are, are very anti-chinese yes. um they think that you know um weirdly i think the republicans and the democrats both were like Chinese is scary. They could be taking yes. over our, our government. One of the few things that we can agree on is foreigners yeah. are bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> then foreigners. Right. And then when Trump starts taking down the TikTok app, I, the first thing I said was, ah, cool. That was the first thing he's done that I liked. Yep. Except for the fact that all of these liberal sites were like, oh, uh, Trump is bad still because he's doing this bad thing and we actually <laughs> like the Chinese. And I was like, what is going on, yep, you people? Yep, you completely flip-flop because you don't like the guy who did it. Listen, give him yes. some credit. He's he's doing yes. something that kind of the whole country wanted and now Man. you're like, oh, actually, I didn't believe that. Shut up. Um, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, that you're right. That could go into a whole different thing about the how people talk about politics. And yeah. as someone who um lives in a very conservative state and in in my actual life tend to be surrounded by much more conservative people but then on the internet sees much more progressive people mm. i've been very frustrated with both <laughs> ends of the spectrum and oh, it they is both definitely <laughs> definitely what can test my patience and make me a very judgmental bad person yes um, so <laughs> which is why I, i'm so happy that the people of the group of people that i've surrounded myself with are very mm -hmm. open-minded people who are yes. interested in other people's opinions even yeah. if they don't change their own mind Right. No, I have lots of lovely people to have conversations with. And most of the people I have long conversations with like this, I, I very much appreciate. So I will be thankful for what I have, but I can still <laughs> read things on the internet and get angry at people. Oh, absolutely. So. I mean, I get angry all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to actually end this podcast. That was a very good topic, though, Cameron. Oh, good. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, you actually brought me a couple of things I had never thought about before. So I really oh. appreciate that perspective I'm glad. Um, and kind of came a little bit closer to realizing why i was okay with watching the harry yeah. potter movies and stuff and i'm i'm gonna be buying the harry potter game because oh man yeah. that looks so cool you can't i actually me? didn't see anything i remember seeing like prototype footage out was that stuff ended up being legit that's what it like, was that, yeah oh, yeah cool, cool. and it, it looked it, really good it's just an open world hogwarts yeah. game and that's it cool. looks so cool like I'm that's so what excited. people have always wanted always um, wanted yeah. yeah no i really appreciate your perspective as well especially your idea about um 
the idea of it just being the edges, I think that that's really helpful to keep in mind because it's very easy to blow things out of proportion because our brain doesn't know how to categorize. When you see two articles, one could be what 90% of the people are thinking and one could be what 10% of the people are thinking, but your brain is going to see them as equal. And, <laughs> and it's so, going to see the one that it agrees with more yes, as the one yes. that's probably more right. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, that whole situation with Steve Jobs is the God, that, yep. that was like an enlightenment moment for me where I was yeah. like, hold on a sec. I believe that Obama is a lizard. Is Obama a lizard? The first article. Yeah. Yes, he is. He's well, a lizard. Can, and I'm I like, mean, look shoot. at the proliferation of conspiracy theories these days. Because I know. There is at least one article supporting anything you want to believe. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So no, I I really appreciated your perspective as well. That was. Yeah, man. It's good conversation. Really good. We went for um, a long time, and I'm probably gonna go to bed pretty soon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Probably. I hope you can actually sleep. Um, Me too. Thank man. you, everyone, for for anyone who made it this far, uh, who made it through all the Starcraft talk. Um, Starcraft uh, talk. Yep. <laughs> hope you uh, hope you enjoyed this, and don't worry, we are in no danger of being canceled because no one knows we exist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would hope you would have said we don't do anything bad, but um... <laughs> no, I cannot guarantee that. <laughs> uh, have a week, everybody. Have a week, everybody. Or have a month. Excuse me. <laughs>